welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast with Tawny, Nathan, and Ock, where we invite you to come hang out in one of the best bike shops around and enjoy the banter. Compliments of the Path Bike Shop in Tustin and Tribugo Canyon, California. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hey guys, normal show today. And Ta- a good evening to you, sirs. Good evening to you all. Standard trio, Nathan here, Tani, Ock, what's going on? You don't have to make it sound kinky. <laughs> <laughs> the th- Three Musketeers? Mm-hmm. Or is that... It has kind of... <laughs> I was going to go down the rabbit hole of criticizing anything you brought up, but that's not, that's not a good podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> not good pod. Have uh, you guys noticed that now is the time to get out and ride in SoCal? Oh my it, goodness. It's probably it's in any good. southwestern region. I think most of your Instagram stars and movie filmers and all sorts of stuff, there are a lot of people are putting time in in the desert communities, Tucson, Phoenix, Sedona, St. George, Laguna with Aaron so Glenn. That, that's just one of the reasons, right? Because right now the golden hour is like 99 minutes long. The golden hour. So ex- explain. So this. the light is good. The light, okay. the sun is not, there, the, there's, there's a long period of the day where there's plenty of light, but the light isn't glaring. Is 99 minutes a lot of the golden hour? Well, it's more than an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But is it, I guess I wh- could probably comment on this better than I can. Ah, you brought it up. I haven't done the research, so I'd sound like a research. doctor who just says something without <laughs> no, like, actually having done the more, done more the numbers. Gee, Louise, I don't know. Get, get, let's talk about um, <laughs> this from a point of view of like Ox photo tip of the week. Oh, like, yeah. why <laughs> the, the, is winter a, have a lot of good lighting? The sun is generally lower in the lower in the horizon for pretty much more of the day. So it's kind of the reason when you sit in your office in the wintertime and you're in your, you know, normally the sun only glares, glares in your eyes for a, a small fraction of the day. And, and during the wintertime, you, you get the sense like, man, that sun is in my eyes a lot. So in the, in the wintertime, the sun is generally lower in the horizon. It makes for better photography and video. So you have more of that time. You have time more you... of that time, yeah. It's related uh, to the idea that I think a lot of photographers like to take pictures early in the morning or just before sunset. Right, right. So there's like a longer dusk. I don't know. You period. know, I mean, I, I kind of wonder, though, with a longer day, do you have, even if the sun is like more straight overhead, you know, and I'm making this like more straight overhead motion with my hands. If karate that, chop. Karate chop. If that makes it more... Maybe you don't have actually that much more of the golden hour. I don't know. Okay. Or maybe. maybe just even when it's not the golden hour, you're not dealing with direct overhead, just glaring yeah. hot light. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's that's a good way to put it. So good time to but, ride in California. And man, I Less will dust. say this. You know what's interesting? So it's been a week. It's been a, literally a week since it's rained here in Southern California. But we've had a series of like decent storms with good spacing uh in the prior two to three weeks it's been a week and i was writing this morning and there are still spots that are just straight wet oh wow it's holding yeah which is 
like even on the rock faces. So like some areas that are kind of more shaded, this is in the Laguna area. I was like, huh, I'm not sure I want to ride that trail because I think it just might be a little slick. Wow. Right. And this is kind of a week after. Huh. So part of my point here is sometimes our show is about helping kind of shine a light on what the people who are really committed to the sport and into it and have been doing it a long time and are experienced and knowledgeable and passionate what they're doing, right? Because in the shop, what we see is most people ride more in the summer. And in surfing, that's called being a summer surfer. And that's a thing, summer surfer, summer riders. We don't talk about that as much in the industry. (laughs) But the fact is, all of our idols and heroes they ride a lot in the winter in right. SoCal. And, and, and in SoCal, a lot of us consider the prime riding time, the best dirt conditions in particular, just are in the winter. That. Yeah, I totally... I love to get out right now. I mean, it's so... Yeah, these are great times to ride in Southern California. This is sort of meant for a sale, as a sales pitch. And that's another thing this show is supposed to be is we want you to get out and ride. Right. And one of the times we think you should get out and ride is now. <laughs> and, you know, you look at the weather, you look at the weather, you know, whether, whatever your weather app is, and over the next week or so uh, here in Southern California, man, we are really fortunate. It's not supposed to rain. It's going to be in the low 70s or high 60s um, for the next couple weeks here. I've experienced some really stellar dirt conditions at Oaks lately. Oh, my gosh, yes. I don't know where you guys have been riding. Where have you guys been riding? I've been riding in Laguna Wilderness. Um, I've heard dirt reports are excellent. Yes, yes. Like this morning, it was really an interesting morning. I started about 6.10, which is dark. It really doesn't get light enough to descend without a light until about 6.30 here in Southern California right now. So I started pedaling in the dark. Um up a trail in Laguna Wilderness called Stair Steps and then dropped down a kind of a high-speed single single track with a little bit of rock called Lynx. Um, uh, still a little bit in the dark. That trail is in amazing condition right now because it the sun actually does sh- shine on that side of the mountain a little bit more. So then I looped around and did a climb and, and dropped back down the trail called Steps. And it was one of those days. Stair stairs. Stair stairs, yeah. Stair steps. Um, it was one of those days where I didn't feel like I was going fast. But you were. But I was. It was a PR. Downstairs stairs? Downstairs stairs. On your rain? R- on, on the rain. With the with a with a skinny front tire. <laughs> yeah. The XR five. Yeah. So yeah, it was um Sick. Dirt conditions are amazing. A little bit of shop news. Sure. After that prelude of dirt love. Yeah. So Path to Modern Mountain Biking starts February 12th, 545 at the Tustin store. Clinic one for the Path to Modern Mountain Biking will cover bike anatomy, braking and shifting, basic techniques for braking and shifting, different types of modern mountain bikes, the clinics are going to be 25 per clinic or 65 for the whole series or free if you have purchased a bike from the path in the last 12 months. Was that loud enough? Should I repeat it? No, you're good. 
Thanks. Thanks Better for, now, though. Thanks for adjusting my boom. <laughs> C- could you repeat the date and time on that again? So the first path to modern mountain biking will be February 12th at 545 at the Tustin store. Okay. February 12th at 545. Cool. The next one after that will be February 26th, and, and I believe it's a series of six. Yeah, so every is it like every other Wednesday? I believe so. It's every other Wednesday starting on February 12th at 5.45. And I'm going to try to make some of them this year. So those are pretty great. Man, I'm going to tell a bunch of my friends about that. Val's awesome. Every Everyone I talk to who goes to him mm-hmm. love, loves this and has glowing reviews. And we've seen people go from kind of really cautious, not sure if they belong, unsure about all aspects of the sport, like really struggling with the climbing and the descending, even on short rides to totally legit mountain bikers that you would you would go ride with and have fun riding with. Cool. So what does what does a standard day evening session look like? To begin with, it it'll co- each session will cover three things, kind of like the three things I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Soon they'll we'll start adding a little a short ride as the days get a little longer mm-hmm. after the meeting. So is this at the shop? Usually at the Live Oak shop. Mm, at nice. least it was last year. This one's at the Tustin shop, though, so actually maybe these will be at the Tustin shop. You can check it out on our website or our Facebook or sign up for our email or call the shop or email me or cool. Instagram message me, slide into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> February 9th, non-dot skills clinic, 9 to 1 at Irvine Regional Park. They're going to cover cornering techniques, technical climbing skills, body position and technical climbing for traction and control, braking techniques, drops, going over obstacles by lifting the front and rear wheels. That's presented by the Path Bike Shop, non-dot skills clinic, advanced. Cool. We've said it before. I want to remind you, demo fair, March 15th. Last time we talked about this, Auk asked what what bikes we want to demo. Mm-hmm. And I said the optic, and we have that, and I'm going to demo it. And I forgot that I still want to demo a Ransom, which is one of Nathan's <laughs> favorites. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we have a Ransom, and I just, I've had it on my list of bikes to demo, and I just, I, to, to my shame, and and um, I'm a bad person for not having demoed a Ransom yet. I really want to, and people keep telling me how awesome it is, not just Nathan. So I need to do it. It's it's kind of a, an interesting bike. It doesn't it often gets some pretty consistent negatives in the reviews, but it's one of those where and this happens sometimes I've recently been shopping for skis and you'll find like the pros and cons, but the cons are like fit into what you want. They're like, "Oh, it's not as great of a downhiller, but it's a good climber, but it's a you know, the tires aren't super super great or they cut because they're too light, but you're like, oh, well, I want mm-hmm. a longer travel that's a little more nimble and ha- and is lighter. So that, so a lot of times you can use those reviews and see the negatives and be like, oh, well, that's actually a positive for me. Um, right. It's like when you're looking at Yelp reviews for a restaurant, and one of the reviews is that the service staff is really abrupt and gruff, and I'm like, I'm thinking like, perfect. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I, right. I was thinking more like, oh, the burrito's too spicy, but you're like, oh, I really like spicy burritos. <laughs> or that, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't necessarily want my, I don't want yes. smoke blowing up my areas yeah. Yeah. by the service staff, per se. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it might be an indicator of more authenticity given a type of certain type of restaurant. Well, and I guess to clarify, if if it's the food is incredible and you don't hear any like food poisoning stories and the the complaints have to do with stuff that's not really going to bother me, which is most other stuff. Yeah. I agree. Good stuff. Women's Wednesday starts March 18th. That's every other Wednesday. That's a very popular women's ride where you can ride. I mean, Man. I would it I almost wish I mean, it it makes me a little jealous of of the other gender because I would love to be able to go ride with Val and Kim and the crew. They always come in the next day all stoked. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. You're gonna have to talk to Val on that one. What do you mean? Oh, well, if you want to join, it's Val, the gatekeeper of the women's. Well, I think you could just go. I think you have to identify as a woman. That's pretty much it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I could just for the day. Yeah. I don't Correct. know. That, I don't. Well, I'll have to. I'll have to check the current rule book. <laughs> Like I said, check with Val. <laughs> she with she Val. might be the referee. Can can I declare myself fluid for the day? Does that work? <laughs> so let's see. Uh, the Hans Ray Trans Hong Kong film film premiere fundraiser for the nonprofit charity Wheels for Life is coming up on February twenty fourth. Oh yeah, that actually sounded really cool. Six to eight p.m. at the ranch in Laguna Beach, California. If you're a like if you're a local mountain bike stargazer, that's definitely a thing to go to. Yeah. Where's the ranch in Laguna Beach? It's a restaurant. It's a restaurant. Yeah, I, I really like Hans's new stuff. He, I feel like his stuff in another world belongs on the Travel Channel. It feels like it's that interesting. You know, he travels around and gets a really good feel for the culture, and uh, I, uh, I have friends of friends, and we've. Talk, you know, we had him on the podcast, and I talked to him recently, and he was telling me a little bit about that Hong Kong trip, and it sounded really fascinating. Hans is the man. Yeah. Super, super sincere and genuine and fun and creative. To this day, a, a real, even though he's not in his 20s anymore, his riding still has that kind of just edge of pro attention, pro, pro, <laughs> pro intention. I, I I keep wanting to call him the Huel Hauser of mountain biking, but I don't want to dip that low. It's not not quite yeah. Huel Hauser level, but it is I exploratory love... and, and interested while mountain biking. All right, I'll identify with Huel Hauser. I love Huel Hauser. Why <laughs> dip that low? One of my one of my claims <laughs> to a, fame just... in life is losing to him two to three in a round of bike sumo. Oh, two okay. to three is pretty good against Hans Rad. I gotta say, I would say that's not too bad. That means that means I made him put his put, foot down two times. Yeah. yeah, I guess I didn't want there to be any negative connotation saying Hans belongs on. Was it KCET or PBS? Probably both. Both. Okay. <laughs> public public access television. What are you trying to say is about there anything PBS? Wrong no? about public access TV? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to rank him a little higher, dude. You're horrendous. <laughs> Other news around the shop, we have Zip Moto Wheels for demo, which I kind of want to get into a little later in the show, maybe talk more about the general state of 
engineering carbon to make a smoother ride on different parts of the bike because I'm really taken with this concept right now, and I think it's I think it's something we're going to hear and talk about a lot more in the future. Mm. But come demo some zip moto wheels, and I encourage actually both of you, Nathan and Auk, to demo some zip moto wheels because oh boy, I got I put I got I've been riding a bike with those, and I got on a bike that didn't have them, and I it, it, honestly I feel like it ruined the experience for me. They're that. Uh, Honest critical question. So honest trailers. If you if I'm gonna demo wheels, I'm I know how to change my stuff. Uh changing wheels is kind of a, a bit of a thing. You gotta mount some tires and change some rotors and change a cassette and then recenter your calipers and double check your shifting to make sure the offset's all right. This is is kind of a big thing to Thanks for clarifying wheels. what a value it is that we do that twice for $90 and then give it back to you that if you buy a wheel set from oh, us. Oh, okay. Well, I, didn't know. I was unaware of that. Yes. $90 to demo those wheels includes setting them up on your bike, which includes all the things Nathan just said, and then setting your old wheels back up on your bike, which includes all the things Nathan cool, just man. said, which also includes sealant both times that we're just going to give you. Right. I might pay $90. Bucks. Um, I was going to do it for free for you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I actually, people, I was going to hand them to you and let you deal with it. But <laughs> if you want to pay ninety bucks, I guess you can. It, in all fairness, people are probably like, "You guys set that up. Come on, you teed that up." I, no, I, when no, Tony's like, "You should demo wheels," I was like, <sighs> "That cro- that thought did cross my mind too." But also, I'm going to try and borrow Tony's actually. <laughs> so let, let, if I'm wrong, yours? then then you did that for nothing, and if I'm right, then now you know. That pretty much everything else is almost unacceptable. Ah, well, that that would be fun. I mean, if you end up agree, I I'm, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, right. I have come to mm. from our I, in our last show. I talked about them and I spoke highly of them and I mentioned how I felt like there was a real difference and I felt like it felt like a tire improvement and a suspension improvement and that it was a bigger difference than other differences that I've talked about on wheels. And now I'm kind of past that to like to I don't really know if i have fun this is crazy right this is a crazy state i don't know if i have fun on a bike without zip moto wheels yeah i i feel like it my hand okay so i had i had not ridden my mega tower for about a month i love my mega tower i got back on my mega tower it has more travel than the rain that i've been riding it's a coil shock and i felt like i was getting beat up Ah, interesting. And I was I went to bigger tires with lower pressures. Okay. Because it's EXO plus and it's big fat tires, and I run lower pressures on those, and I still felt like I was getting beat up, and I felt like I was bouncing, glancing off every rock, losing control. Like it was it was weird. I maybe I'm tripping out. Maybe I got maybe Ed from SRAM hypnotized me <laughs> i watched get out last night i don't know <laughs> yeah I, I heard you talking like this we, we we've sort of had this conversation a little bit and i do think the one-up bars which have the kind of tapered uh, vibration like a little bit of yield um are part of what i'm experiencing on the rain too maybe but that's all part of this story i I guess we're going to do it now. I guess I just did it. Yeah. It's just this idea that I really think that bikes are going to get smoother and more comfortable as we start incorporating more of this. How do we 
make them deflect less and 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 sting less by manipulating the potential that carbon has for directional stiffness and directional yield. Right. Mm-hmm. You want it to flex, but in the way you want it to flex. Right. You want to be compliant. And it goes to that flex. thing you were talking about the other day, Nathan, too, about uh, fast. It, it, I do think that the effect that the zip motor rims have is similar to or is a nap, is parallel to and reinforcing of any sort of compliance with the tire. Okay. Without giving any any risk of tire roll or squibbing, oh, yeah, one of yeah, our new one of our new glossary terms. <laughs> I've started a glossary of terms from the podcast, including PK squeeze and mm-hmm. and many of the classics. And one of these days, we're going to spend probably an hour and a half just gloss, glossing, glossing, Go, going through the appendix, going through the glossary. The, glo- which, oh, the glossary for yeah. those who ever listened to that lame sports show back in the day. <laughs> it's the gloss. The gloss. There you go. We might have to do episode 200 is the gloss. <laughs> We're a ways away from that one, though. <laughs> Are we four years into this? Something like that. Four plus, huh? Uh, well, I mean, on average, we were supposed to do one every other week, 26 episodes a year, and we're on like episode 111 or something. Yeah. So we're right around there. It was October when we started, so we're not off years. by a whole year. Yeah, we're over a year. We're going to be on five years. So <laughs> we're a freshman in high school and college We now. are, yeah. No, we're uh, graduated in po- in seniors. podcast years, we're freshmen in college. Like if oh. we started as freshmen in high school. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right, anyways. <laughs> Zip Did I tell you guys on the last show that we have Norco optic demo bikes now in the shop? Ooh, I saw lunch. a picture of one from is Brandon. That, so I, I don't know their lineup. Remind me, is that the shorty or the, the longy? the 120-ish travel super shreddy geo that's getting... Like Pink Bike put it up against a bunch of bikes with more it's travel bike of the year. in a shootout. Optic got the Bike of the Year, right? In Pink Bike? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, we're talk- probably talking about different different tests or something. It did really well in the one I'm talking about, but I don't know if it... it that and the Tallboy came out kind of neck and neck with different trade-offs, I think, if I remember correctly. is So what's the long travel one? Is that the range? Yeah, but... The optic is a, a mold that got cracked for the public only like a month or so ago, and it represents a modernness for Norco that you won't see in any of the other bikes yet. Ah, Aka's confirming it was Pink Bike's Bike of the Year. 2019 nice. Mountain Bike of the Year, Norco Optic. Yeah. There is a ton of buzz about around this bike, and it's because... I would characterize it you, if we've talked about downcountry on the show, and this is kind of the other side of that coin where it's like it's a little heavier than what we were talking about for down. It's more like short travel enduro, one twenty five. Okay, what the tall? Yeah. It's kind of Norco's vision of the current tall boy, where it's yeah. it's a sixty five degree head angle, I think, on a one twenty travel bike. That feels like a good solid moniker for the category. I feel like the smuggler fit into that category, but we didn't quite have that label for it yet. Right, short travel enduro. or the uh, I think the process one thirty four was trying ele- to be that the one eleven, but it, but in in the in modern iteration of it is just so sick with a mu- even much slacker heading angle than a one eleven and ah okay I think a one eleven was was re- considered really aggressive with something around a sixty eight degree twenty fourteen yeah, right it was and, like and, a sixty seven but yeah. 
back when <laughs> back when twenty nine too was never right. was trying to figure out. Ooh, seventy six degree hit uh, seat angle. Yeah. yeah, it was a good bike. I had one briefly. Man, the optic is a four fifty reach on a medium. That's the size. That's the large size of those original processes. No, four sixty, I think, was the original yeah. large size. Four, yeah, four thirty five. You're right. The large optic has a four eighty reach and good lines. The top two positions of the seat stays yeah. real nice. Sixty five yeah. head angle. Nice. Sorry, Nathan has reduced offset. <laughs> Brandon, often, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Brandon often path guest took our demo bike out and liked it a lot. Oh, great! Said it felt like the tall boy with a little more support in certain spots. He said, "I think he said, mm. nice." Can I do a quick shout out to that? So T- Tony from Fix was on the show. Yeah, I thought that was a cool show. I've gotten some good compliments. Um, I believe you can pick up Fix manufacturing tools at halter cycles in jersey because of that show oh awesome now and hopefully some more shops too i don't know yeah um but tony gave me a tool and i put it on my waistband of my hip sack Uh uh-huh my high above kind of smallish hip sack Mm -hmm. it's funny getting the tool out of that hip sack it's a pretty small hip sack so getting the tool out felt like a big improvement in space but I've used the tool a number of times now. And now I'm the guy who, on any group ride, if someone needs a tool, Dude, it's my tool. It. <laughs> yeah. It's already out before anyone even says anything. And Wait, sorry. You have the on the clip on your belt? Yep. Oh, okay. So the, the, the buckle of the pack, like octed, or the little clip-on? The little clip-on. Okay. So, so you I have, have it all the way to the side. It doesn't it. interfere okay. with my pedaling or anything. So Ock adapted the original buckle design yeah. that holds the other tool. I think they'll hold either tool. But yeah, so yeah, now so I've actually... Right in the middle under your belly button? Yeah, so I've actually moved away... Because that was a, a pretty cool like metal... Cam t- over buckle. Ca- correct. And I've moved away from that uh, since, the, since the podcast. But I still carry my, my tool with a little clip. On I, the waistband of your pack. Correct. And I carry uh-huh. it closer to the actual um, uh, clip. So I carry mine pretty close to my center of where my belt buckle would be. I think be. you have to be pretty thin to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Okay. Nice. If, you're, if you're even a little bit thick, which I'm a little bit thick, uh, you're probably going to want to move it as far to the side as you can. Oh, I got it. Nice. I got, I, I've... I'm down from 183 to 168. Svelte. Ooh, you are, dude. I'm still, uh, I'm still obese by the BMI. <laughs> but but you know what? I think I'm, I am borderline obese as well at 155. Yeah, I have heavy bones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Heavy bones. That's what I keep telling myself. I actually literally do have. I mean, I sink in the swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that the little clip for the the fix um, tool. I think it holds the tool a lot more firmly. Oh, then. Well, the original one had a metal tine in okay, it. Okay, so if you get the tool and at first you're a little bit discouraged by how difficult it is to get it in and out. Push and pull at the same time. But also, just give it some time. Oh, it gets gosh. a little bit easier with each use. <laughs> oh, okay. Loosen, cool. Loosens up a little. I think, I suspect they t- designed it to be 
a little over overly retentioning at first. Yeah, I had to I had to switch from um, tight to retentioning Thank because you. of ox giggles. Yeah, <laughs> I had to find a a less apt word that was also anyway. So I do think the initial engagement's a little bit tight, like a tiger. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know where that even comes from. But I know Austin that, Powers. I know that people like to laugh at it. So, yeah, don't be discouraged. It's a little hard to get it in and out at first. <laughs> you guys. You guys! So, actually... <laughs> I can't even podcast with you guys. I'm going to try and, like... So, I literally could not... <laughs> Gosh. I have weak... The card chip is ready. It is. I have weak um, thumb chip reader and is ready. pincher grasp between my thumb and my index finger. And so making the all squish your head. Am, exactly. And so it was pretty much I couldn't grab the the end of the the tool and just pull it out of the out of the the, the clip at first. At first. And so if you have that problem, um, grab it with your pincher grip and start pulling and then with your thumb on the back side just push. And mm-hmm. so you're, you're Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really helps you'll get it out every time and i really like the functionality of the tool oh my gosh it's really good and that like it's not just a gimmick and it's not just small and pulling again like disconnecting and and increasing that uh i think what i'm talking about is it's a two-piece tool yes and in storage they're stored kind of sandwiched together yep and when you take it out you slide them apart and then you slide them on end to end to use the part that was the chain tool and kind of the cradle as a handle. Yeah. And that that's huge. It's huge. It goes from a tiny tool to a huge tool. <laughs> I mean this tool is huge. This, man. <laughs> it's very good. It is, you know, you still have to use it correctly. You do. Yes. It's very good. <laughs> All right. Good job, Tony. So thanks, Tony. So check them out. Is that good enough to come ride your mini ramp? <laughs> uh, okay, so Tony, I was thinking about you the other day when I dropped um, TNA. What's the official Laguna name? Ridge? Laguna Ridge. Is did you do it after the new reroute? I did. I want a review on that. Have you done it since? Negative, the... sir. And have as you, you know, this is this is like a benchmarking yeah. show for me, so I'm going to have to reestablish my Wait, benchmark. I guess maybe we should clarify when did this reroute occur? Because I thought it happened like two years ago. No, that's okay, the old reroute. That's the old reroute. Oh, there's a new reroute. A new reroute. So the old reroute that happened a couple of years ago has the upper maybe one minute of yeah kind of switchbacks, and that, that's the old reroute I, replaced. It used to start off. You could go to the right and kind of like roll in, or you could stay to the left and do the huck. Yep. And then it was the high speed straightaway chunk nar section. Yep. And then you'd either go right for art school if you were an outlaw, or stay straight for Laguna Ridge, aka TNA. Yep. And then and the and the old the, the old reroute is instead of that, you have this whole series of turns that leads right. to that same spot. That it's off to the left of the old section. Yeah. Which the I, new reroute is yeah. starts where the old reroute ends. 
and oh. connects all the way, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't ridden it, connects all the way to the many line section with more hucky to the left and more roll oh. to the right. That changed a lot. Is that true? Let's see. Not quite that far. Okay. Do we still have the like chunky chicane section right before that? Yes. All of it? Yes. So we lo- mainly what we lost was the, the G out after the left turn. Yes. Which yeah, is a you, classic. You, you've lost the left turn. Okay. Where does it, it go straight there? Um, you have to turn left off art school at some point. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. So you, we've lost the um, right after the G out. That's you've lost the, the. So you still go through the G out? I believe you do. Oh, that's cool because that's a really classic section of that trail. But you turn right after that. Okay, so what you've lost is mostly the really steep accelerating part. Yes. And some of the chicanes after Not that? Not even then. Oh, Because good. you tie in... And from what I hear, it's sweet. From what I hear, there's some good banked fun turns that you can stay off the brakes and rail. Yeah. But I like that. That acceleration was something else. The acceleration was something else. And that was part, to me, what made that trail what it was. That was quite an acceleration. Yeah. Hmm. That's quite a reroute. I'll have to go check I mean, it out that, as well. That acceleration out accelerates the acceleration on the lower part of old shoots. There's that really nice acceleration at the yes. top of the yeah. like, before the shoot oh, and the burn yeah. section. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sweet. It is. And this is that was two to three times as long yeah. and just as steep probably maybe. And steeper. you've lost it all. You come in at the very, very bottom of that acceleration. So you still actually get so at the very bottom of that acceleration. Remember, there is that like super tight, like right left. Yeah. Yep. So right as you had to slow down from the huge acceleration. Correct. Correct. I crashed. That's where I crashed. So I had, I had um, stitches on my arm from having my my kind of weird. I'd crashed there, and then it had turned into like a weird cancerous growth out of the trauma, and then yeah. I had that removed, and then I crashed there at that spot. So yes, you still have that spot, but you're a fraction of the and speed. And blew it There's... open. It was like a, a valley of blood on my forearm. Ugh. Yeah. So you still have that where you crashed, I think, and um, but you have no acceleration. I'm okay with that. That like at, it sounds like we added a bunch of turns. You did the the whole the whole Strava aspect of that trail is reset. It is. I imagine all the times are going to be longer. It will, like I think significantly. It's almost like you have to like rename the trailers. I mean, it's. I know. No, it's not. Yeah. But there was, man, that acceleration was. Anyways, you can tell I'm not a big fan. I have to go see it. Because this is, I consider that kind of like one of my trails, you know, mm. even though you don't get to like have trails or people or anything. But it's a, it's a classic. It's, it's my go to. I'm just going to go ride Laguna and I only have maybe an hour or an hour and a half. I'm going to hit that trail almost for sure. Right. Oh, and I want to stay on. Legal trails, which I do because I'm a law-abiding citizen. You are. Most oh, of the time. Always. I mean, I might have sped on the freeway once in 2000 and 
2007, I think. I think it was 2007. Yeah, be careful. Before statute great, of limitations. I think it was before the know. Great Recession. I think you're okay. I think statute of limitations on speeding on the I freeway only, is seven years. I only went 67. Ah, okay. I don't know. Maybe you might be dropping down Big Bend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the law-abiding citizen move would be to turn yourself in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, officer. I, I, I have a crime to report. Do you remember 2007, officer? <laughs> I sort of do, too. Man, I, I start I, to. That's a good question, Tony. <laughs> As a law-abiding citizen, how do you drop back down onto Laguna Canyon Road now? Well, Laguna Ridge is still legal. It is still legal. Yeah. Um, I would never do art school. Yes, you're right. You should never, ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you're so funny. So what? Uh, Anyways, yeah. the reroute. Reroute's yeah. good, man. <laughs> it's nice to see that they're doing some things. I the Rangers are I, doing things. I never even heard of the reroute. When did you hear about the reroute? Probably a couple weeks ago. Huh. I wrote it. I wrote it last week. Yeah, I wrote it last week, and yeah, it's fairly fresh. I think it is very fresh. I like turns. I mean, I do too. Don't get me wrong. Change is an interesting thing. I hate change. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's easy to be naturally resistant to change, even if you're right, you know. You're right. I mean, yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> um, do you guys, are you guys good with the reroute? Yeah, good. Oh, as I'm in, not good with the rerouting. <laughs> no, no, I'm good as in time listening. to move. As I, good as in time to move on from yeah, the reroute. Yeah. Yes, Would you, I, I understood okay. you. I intentionally misunderstood that. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, we we did have a, a listener question because I I got that startling murmur quite a while ago, and uh, his question was, "Hey, have, why haven't we heard of it? You know, one, I just haven't gotten around to it. We talk about a lot of stuff." Um. I'm not really sure what questions someone might have about it. And I guess I, like going from a dry review, I guess I was curious what questions you guys have about it. Because you've seen it. You know what it is. It's a steel Enduro frame. So what questions would you guys have? Other than satisfying your Euro fetish, what does it do? <laughs> Maybe that's why we haven't brought it up, because these guys saw it and rolled their eyes. <laughs> I, I did not. You sound like my, one of my adult daughters right now. <laughs> I'm being assigned eye rolls that I didn't do again. Do we, do we call UK Euro? I feel like UK is its own thing. Well, especially with Brexit, right? Yeah. They're kinda, there's UK and Euro. I have Euro bikes. Oh, I'm, I'm a geographer, not a politician. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just. Uh, so where would you? Wh- when do you go pull out the Starling? Eee. Well, I, well, I guess it's a one. <laughs> this is not a Me Too moment here. <laughs> well, it's a what? It's have a to pull your Starling out. <laughs> it's a it's a one forty twenty nine er. Uh, I've got a 160 fork on it. I've got that MRP ribbon air mm-hmm. fork on it with a really reduced offset. It's like 41 or 2. I can't quite mm-hmm. remember. It might I be don't always ride reduced offset. <laughs> but when I, I do, do, it's substantially reduced. 
So other than satisfying my chromo signaling, my chromoly signaling, <laughs> yeah, and my which is I'm I'm down. I think chromoly. Yeah, I'm part of it. I would ride a Brooklyn Machine Works right. You, I would lick the bottom bracket of a Brooklyn Machine Works right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still make those? I don't know. They don't have to make them. They last. They never die. No, they never die. <laughs> it's a right? Run my hands over that long chain up to the idler guide. <laughs> uh, you know, chromoly oh. is sick. Yeah, chromoly is sick. It'll last a lifetime. You can you can quickly you. I like the kind of kind of not decentralization of power that comes with not having to heat treat and being dent resistant. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, if you have my um, my my chunk rat, can I have it back? Can I have it back? <laughs> <laughs> I still have the Waltworks fork that matches the paint job. Yeah, <laughs> but other than being sextile chromoly and sextile euro. Uh-huh. What does it do? Uh, well, I mean, we, I you mean, told I us did, the numbers. Yeah, I did like, get, how does it feel? Where does it shine? It Is did. It, I did get an extra large, so as a five hundred and fifteen millimeter reach. Oof, yeah. Um, I want to say when I measure the head too with my iPhone app, the little leveler thing. Sometimes I get like sixty four, sixty three. Although it says it's a sixty five, feels a little slacker. Did you flip it one hundred and eighty degrees and measure it again? I measured it quite a few times, like facing one way in my living room, facing the other way, right. taking the phone out of the case and finding the nice square. You just got to average those two, I think. So call it like 64. I'll be conservative and say it's say it's 64. You. Um, and it's got a pretty dang steep seat tube angle. It feels really steep. Um, I'm able to run a 170 dropper post on it so single, it, single pivot it's a single pivot yeah from all your rear end as well yeah yeah so he this is part of the i think a hundred murmurs he made in taiwan uh so he originally started he was brazing frames at home he brazed the front and the rear and you kind of have to order one and that means they're that. lugged right no no Fillet brazing is a type of welding that's more like soldering. But don't you have to have like a slip fit to make it good? No, no, you can. You no, it's just a lot of built up material in the radius. But what's nice about fillet brazing, well, I'm sure some welders are going to correct me. So I'm like 70% sure what I'm saying is fillet brazing you do with an oxyacetylene torch and you add material. like It's like soldering. And... Uh, so you build up a, a fillet like of glue material. versus right, but the torch mixing you, together, yeah, low temperature welding. Maybe it's like low temperature welding, so you can't burn through the tubes. So working with thin wall steel tubes gets easier. That's right. So it's a maybe a more garage friendly. But that's not what your frame is. No, your frame's TIG welded. I believe mine is TIG. Uh, so, and it was out of one batch he did at this Taiwan vendor. Uh, bike's really nice. Uh, he obviously oversaw the design. It's just a copy of what he was making. He was fillet brazing in his garage or shed. Uh, his current model is now that this vendor makes all his rear ends and you can buy, uh, you order a bike and he makes you the front triangle for the bike you want and then pulls a rear end out of stock that's made at this vendor. So the rear end's TIG welded, the front's fillet brazed. Uh, he now offers... Uh, 27.5, 29, 
or he offers 27.5 up to 160 millimeters of travel, but reduced. He, he can spec you a shock and move the shock mount to shorten the travel. He can do a mixed wheel size, dedicated mixed wheel size, up to 160 travel. Uh, but down, you can short short shock it as well. Uh, and he can make a 29er up to 140. But short, you can, again, go mm-hmm. short shock. So... Uh, anyway, I got one of the one of the hundred out of the TIG weld batch because when I ordered it, he he had them. Right, you know, he had them in stock ready to ship. Price difference between the various configurations? I think it's all about the same. same yeah. And I want to say he's... my frame and shock ended up being you know it depends on the exchange rate and stuff. It was like about twenty two hundred bucks. Okay, so I mean, that's kind of. I... I think when I bought mine, he had a bunch of DVO shocks that mm. he was kind of doing a deal on. So the upcharge on the shock was only like 120 bucks. So they might, if you order a frame and a shock from him now, it might be a little bit more. Right. Uh, and there's also that weird VAT pricing where when it's shipping out of the UK, you don't pay the VAT tax in, mm. in Europe or the UK. Right. I don't fully understand. I just know we get them cheaper than they do, which is weird. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. It's, uh, you know, it takes a tapered fork, um, threaded bottom bracket. Is it a straight 44 head tube? Straight 44 head tube. What do you like most about it? Uh, you know, I, I, from a performance standpoint, I think the cool thing about it is it's a rare instance that we get to try a flexi bike and, and see what that offers. Oh, so, so it's flexi. Yeah. Compliant. Yeah. No, you mean laterally flexi and twisty at the bottom bracket? Uh yeah. But not like dangerously. Not like, oh, this is weird. It's like it feels like when you lean it over through corners, it feels like it sticks to the ground a little bit. I'm also experimenting with cush core and really low pressures on that bike at the same time. Mm. And on other bikes too or just on that bike? Just on that bike Ooh, right now. That really changes the whole conversation, huh? Uh, I did try it without Cush Core, and I still got the same effect. It just, it kind of, it's compl- like it just kind of sticks to the ground. And um, how much does it weigh? The frame? Do you know? Oh, I have it. Re- I I did take a picture. I think nine. it was like nine with, with shock? shock, something like that. Yeah, it's heavy. It's not. Re- yeah, yeah. it's lighter than that Ramadana was. Um, how heavy was that? Oh, I think it was like. Knocking on the door of 11 with the coil shock. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. That's like old Kona's. <laughs> yeah. It looks like an old Kona. Ah, the Kona. <laughs> Man. Did you ever see... Uh, just sidetrack. Anybody who really enjoyed watching Arrested Development, did you watch it, Toddy? Yes. Uh, there, was this, there was this scene mm. where the cousin comes up. They have the frozen banana stand. She, like, steals this foot from this fox rat from the grandma. <laughs> And she throws it, and she's like, I found this in my frozen banana. He's like, it looks like a foot. She's like, it tasted like a foot. <laughs> so anyway, it reminds me. You're like, looks like a Kona. It rides like a Kona. <laughs> but you like that bike. I, I, I do. Well, the raw, well, that's a different discussion. We'll get into that later. So do you hate anything about the Starling? Not really. Uh, Good I, water bottle configuration? Yeah, it's, it's uh, 
Right between your legs, so it's on it's on the underside of the top tube. So you can put a big water bottle between your legs, as big as you want. Well, at least on the size that I have, I have a, I have these as a fall bottle. You have room for as big of a water bottle. As <laughs> so this water bottle that Brian suggested, I he told me about, and I have a couple of them, and they're great. It's a one liter bottle. Oh wow! It's by the fall. And it's like old school. The pop, it's like, like it's something you'd think from 1996, but it's a one liter bottle. What, you know, water bottle. It's called the Magnum. Nice. <laughs> I thought you'd try that. I've, so you can run a Magnum very easily. Because <laughs> um, it's kind of that down position, you know, that flat water bottle position. I, whenever I have a water bottle like that, or, uh, well, that's the only bike I've had like that, but when it's on the underside of the down tube, it's, oh, it's this, on the boat, it's in the dirty spot. No, no, it's on the top tube, not the mm. down tube. Oh, oh, under the top tube. Right. But it's in that down-facing position, so it takes a lot of downward force when you land. Um, I use that salsa. I think it's called the oh. salsa mountain cage, right. which is a stainless steel cage that has a really nice wrap around. It's like one of those salsa products that they probably made for 25 years. Uh, it you catches got, it on all sides. Yeah, yeah. And you guys stock them from time to time. I think you can still get them. It's it's pretty sweet though, you guys. Uh, so I, I use that on the underside of the top tube. Nice. So it squeezes it. it squeezes the magnum. <laughs> Touches it on all sides and then it squeezes it. <laughs> um, Big. Yeah. But I, I I enjoy the bike. I think it can punch above its travel weight class. The the side compliance is is pretty nice. I had a fluttering thought that I was going to go do the Fontana downhill race and I was going to race that bike. Um, the one that already happened. Yeah. There's going to be another one this weekend. I, I was going to go, and but I've I've kind of gotten a little bit of a trying to learn to ski kick lately, so my weekend's We been should a little, make little plans busy. to go do one of those together. Oh, my goodness. I, I'd, I'd be tempted. super into that. I'm tempted, yeah. Let, let me know the one you actually want to do. Maybe even camp there the night before. Oh, oh. oh boy. Do, oh, boy. Do the afternoon of practice, then camp ah. in our vans. <laughs> you know, we go door <laughs> to door. Door to door. door, door. <laughs> oh, slider to slider. Yeah. Um, or maybe find two other van van people and make a square. <laughs> <laughs> Circle the wagons. <laughs> Circle the vans. Hashtag van life. Yeah. Um. It's uh, so it's about as expensive as an aluminum bike from any major manufacturer. It's steel. It does look a little funky. Uh, it's a little heavier than most of the competition in aluminum, certainly in carbon. I just think it's really cool. And I'm, I'm personally really, I really like brands where there's a small number of people. In this case, it's one guy that runs the company. Um, I listened to a podcast with him on the, the downtime podcast and I, I thought the guy sounded cool. I could relate to him. He was an engineer turned bike builder. Um, so, and I thought the design was pretty cool and one day I just decided to buy one and I like it. Um, I would say the number one thing that differentiates it is it's flex, right? Cause that's something that everybody else for the most part, it's trying to make a stiffer bike. Carbon bikes are stiffer than aluminum bikes or stiffer than steel bikes. Every- I think you have to add a <clears throat> caveat of they can be. So if you yeah. want to make 
a straight wall. Aluminum can be very, very stiff. If you, it's one of the beauties of aluminum. It'll oh, be stiff right, in every yeah. direction. Like, yeah, and you can make really stiff steel frames. But I, I think, be a, I think per weight, I think you're. If you add a per weight, then your statement stands up really, really well. It, it's right. Uh, like, like aluminum is stiffer per weight than chromoly, and and carbon is stiffer per weight than aluminum. Wait, one more time. In other it's, words, a, a five pound or pick a weight. And at that weight, a material would be stiffer than another material. Uh, like yeah. at six pounds, for example, a carbon frame will probably be stiffer than an aluminum frame. But if you want yeah. to make a stiff aluminum frame, you can. It's so just you're weigh. you're talking, uh, yeah. There, I mean, there is a density factor. Um, it kind of the stiffness has it more to do with, with the tube shape. The thing I was going to say was saying works even better with steel. I think. Like at at seven at, at five pounds, your steel frame is going to be pretty flexy. It doesn't mean you can't make a stiff stiff steel frame. It's just going to oh, be a little yeah. heavier. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of discussions out there on the internet. It's it's materials. It's and also bending you can't and... design an aluminum frame that it yields the way you could design a steel frame to yield. You can't. Like if you really want to make a steel frame that yields, you can in a way that you could never do with aluminum. But you uh, could maybe with carbon. Yeah, I would say just be careful with the term yield. I think what you mean is is flex. Flex, yeah. Um, ben. Yield has a very distinct okay. flex. definition. Okay, flex. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, you. You can, you will run into fatigue life issues. Right, um, with aluminum. With aluminum, right. right. And to a degree with steel and almost not at all with carbon. Uh, steel has a really, really high fatigue. Hundreds life. or thousands of times longer than aluminum. Right, right. Um, and with carbon, it might as well almost be infinite. From I, what I understand. I, carbon yeah, I basically so. doesn't fatigue, from what I understand. It, I, within the yeah. con- within the, within the definition to where it would matter to a bike's rider. Yeah, my my carbon engineering experience is low. I, I think you're right. I, I I don't know that for sure. I I I have been formally trained on aluminum and steel. <laughs> right. So I, just I, I based on that. kind of manufacturers' feedback and and anecdotal evidence of the shop from which I have tons of. Right. 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 Carbon is doesn't seem to tire out. Doesn't seem to like. Doesn't seem to have that thing where oh it'll keep riding enough it'll crack. Right. Right. And and steel has a much longer fatigue life than aluminum, which is why you tend not to run into that issue right. there. The The big balance between the tube sizes is um, it has to do with this balance of tube diameter, wall thickness, and weldability and dent resistance. And in other words, you can and make with a carbon layup direction. I, I'm more talking about like aluminum versus steel in that case. Right. But yeah. Um, right. And the big, the big driver behind um wall thickness tube, tube shape tube diameter the number one driver is tube shape is is tube diameter of a of a stiffness of a tube. and also type of aluminum and type of treatment number one driver is, is tube shape though because um, <laughs> not if you put in just the wrong aluminum and don't treat it right and everything and so no, no what i'm saying is uh, material st- stiffness goes one to one. Oh, so a d- twice as stiff material if we're just talking stiffness right is a, a material that's twice as stiff, given the same shape, will be twice as stiff. 
when you start to add the the diameter of the tube, which is a you know people refer to as a beam height, that's to the cubed power. Yeah, I was jumping ahead to if you use the wrong material, it's going to break. <laughs> so a tube, a general rule of thumb, at least on a square like a popsicle stick bending, is that if you have material A and you have material B, material B is twice as stiff as material A, right? That popsicle stick can be 20% thinner, not half, 20%. Right. So double stiffness buys you about 20%. So think of that as a tube diameter because a tube diameter is a beam that bends the same in all directions, right? So if you make that tube 20% bigger in diameter, that's the same as taking that original tube shape Hold on, and building I, I, it out of a I double I was still stiff. absorbing beam that bends in all directions, so I think I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a... Um, so that's why I'm saying the t- size of the, the diameter of the tube is the biggest driver of the stiffness. And so with a, with steel, with a steel tube, you don't want your walls so thick that it becomes very heavy. And so you thin them. It, there's this weight balance to where it gets thin enough where, okay, it's a tube. It's reasonably stiff. If you go bigger, it's going to get heavy. And you can make it bigger and thinner, but then you can't weld it and thing will dent like a beer can. Right. So that you run into buckling. And if you make an aluminum tube that small, it'll probably break. Uh, or, the again, the wall thickness is really thick, and then it's not very stiff. Because aluminum is much more flexible than steel. It's much more flexible. It just doesn't like to... Fl- it doesn't do well with a lot of flex, though. It's a fatigue It's a fatigue issue. You can you can flex aluminum, but it's it's all a balance of how strong it is which is yield that's the, and that's why to make it strong it can't be as flexible as, as steel from what i understand and also from my experience like riding aluminum frames they're stingier than steel frames there's a lot of factors you can you can take a popsicle stick out of steel and a popsicle stick out of aluminum and make them flex the same way you can but you but you're not going to try to argue to me that aluminum frames have a generally harsher ride than steel frames are you but not exclusive not because of the material property because of the shape but the shape is driven also by what it had to be to be strong right it's well again i think strong is a little bit too vague of a term it's a shape that was durable reasonably weldable dent resistant um stiffness to a a design target if if you do an apple's I think the important thing to realize... Are you saying the conventional wisdom in the bike industry that steel is a smoother ride than aluminum is just wrong? It's attributed to different... It's not attributed strictly to the material. Why is your Starling more flexy? Because of the... Primarily because of the tube shape and the tube diameters, which is driven by the wall thickness and a weight target and a weldability. Weight target and weldability. Right. There's a big part of it. Correct. So you get thin tubes, which, as I was saying before, the size of the tube is a massive driver on the stiffness of the structure. So, in other words, if you built an aluminum frame with those same dimensions, it would be insanely flexy. That would break. That, not necessarily. That's what I'm saying is not necessarily. 
It might that, break sooner, given the same amount of flexing sure back and break. forth. I mean, we know that they did that in early bike production, and they broke. Correct. There's a there's a fatigue issue. So steel, how deep you go into the material, you know, the material has like a zero to a hundred percent of its usable strength. How deep you can go into that varies from material property to material property, and. And so let's say you have a zero to a hundred percent, right? Aluminum, you can bounce maybe, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know the numbers offhand, but like say 10%, but steel, you can like dip in like deeper, like 40% every cycle or something like that. And then think of it as a bank and you have, you, you know, you only have so many times you can go in into that property of the material before it starts to harden and crack. So like when you bend a when you bend a paperclip, right? And you bend it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you're not changing the def- deflection, like same degree, like 45 degrees, 45 degrees. You you know it's eventually going to break, right? That that material that's bending is getting harder and more brittle and then you have a fracture called work hardening, which is like fatigue. So that's but I think that the, goes against you you ever know anyone who would claim that they could tell when something was getting worn out because it was getting flexier that's actually incorrect aluminum frames i know what you just said goes against that claim and that's i would argue most of the time you hear about that someone who's owned a frame for many years um i think there's a number of things that could be getting flexy including worn out pivots and things like that but from a material property standpoint the material is actually getting more brittle so what you're saying is like when the paper clip keeps bending, it's getting more brittle. It's getting brittle. harder. Yeah. Stiffer, if you will. Right. So. Um, it's stiffer before. Never mind. But I think the important thing to realize is steel bikes typically are more flexible as a structure, but steel is a stiffer material. Oh, right, right. I, right. That's a that's an important distinction to make for whatever reason other than nathan's educational hour really it's neither here nor there the general the general i think part of what i said too though part of why they're stiffer at part of why steel is stiff while steel is stiffer as a material while it's more flexible as as a bike i do think has to do with what it takes to make it strong as well because aluminum doesn't do well when it flexes it's uh, Generally, yeah. It so the general, so yeah, the, the general ability understanding. to flex is different than the ability to flex and then keep going over and over again. That's that's fatigue. So fatigue. You have to build. I, I think you have to build the aluminum with less flex in order to be strong, because otherwise you're going to get fatigue. Where where steel, you can have right. some flex in it, and it'll still survive for a long time because it has so much more fatigue resistance. It does have a higher fatigue life. There's by it can like, tolerate more by many factors. I mean, by a factor of many. I need to double check. I I forget for some it, reason. I forget if it's three digits or four digits, but it's one of those two. I know, like I, I know I, that. I got a I got a book somewhere that, but it's it's generally higher. You can you can fatigue steel in industrial applications. See steel fatigue all the time. You'll see steel cracking and you know like industrial shakers and things like that. So it, it it will crack eventually, uh, just maybe way more than you're going to pedal the bike. So, but in general, the frame, 
the starling frame is typically more flexy than uh, an aluminum frame. It's the flexiest full suspension I've ever thrown a leg over. Let's put it that way. Surprisingly enough. Well, I guess not totally surprisingly enough. Hmm. Looks very spindly. According to Google, fatigue isn't generally a... F- in, in steel structure, structure fatigue is normally not considered for general structure. Fatigue is not usually, usually the limiting criteria. Aluminum, however, is subject to f- fatigue failure. Other, right. And what they're saying is just, yeah, steel can fatigue, but it's usually not the limiting fa- factor for steel. Right. And that's, in my experience, when I've seen steel cracking issues, it's typically in, in you know, millions and millions and millions and millions, like high vibration, high force industrial shakers and things in mines that are all day, going every day. all day, every day, like sorting big rocks from small rocks via shaking over a grate. You know, like those, those things spring, those, uh, you'll, you'll see spring fatigue. Often springs will crack springs all, um, if you dig into like spring design, and springs are never aluminum from what I know. I've never heard of an aluminum spring. I Not that I know of. Um, if you do make a spring out of aluminum, it's probably very few cycles that it's, that's meant to be used. Um, but s- springs do have a fatigue life. They do crack. Uh, they, ca- they can crack over time. And, and you'll see that in, you know, very, very intense high cycle environments. Typically industrial and gnarly and big. <laughs> right. Did you want to spring something on us about what was it? Uh, yeah, uh, we should probably save that one for another time. I think the yeah, that's probably a, a, another timer, maybe unless in, if if you've got something. Okay, else. I've got a quick thing to maybe end the show on. Well, I I do have an interesting tire thing though that I will spring on you if you'd like. Do it. It's just a it's just a interesting thing that it's kind of hidden on the specialized website. Had to dig a little bit. This is the big S talking, but... Big red S. Big red S. Um, they are playing with road tires. They have a new road tire rim thing. I'm not entirely sure, but the interesting part is if you dig a little bit, and it's easy to miss, there is a cross-section view of an inflated tire. And... You got to think about that for a minute. You're like, oh, how did they, wait, how did they do that? They have a CT scanner and they're doing tire research and they're probably some of the first people to get a glimpse inside of inflated tires. CT scanner. What is that again? Mm. Like a CAT scan. They have a CAT scan machine that they're using to investigate how beads fit and how tire interfaces work with rims. And uh, again, they have their new tire thing. You kind of scan through their website and you see this cross-section view and you're like, Wait, wait a minute. It's inflated. How did they... What? They're doing CAT scans of inflated tires to investigate how beads lock in. I, I think they're focusing on road tubeless hmm. tires. Right. Obviously, <clears throat> there's high, really high speeds, really high pressures in these applications. Um, but yeah, ex- really exciting use of a technology to probably see inside of something that no Pretty one's ever seen really high tech X-ray. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I just one of those little things that might have been something that companies have been trying to figure out for a good long time. 
kind of neat. The big red ass could be crafty. They're, they're mm-hmm. clever. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're crafty. They 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 bought a new toy, and they and uh, I I can only speculate at this point what else they're playing with that. But I, I'm sure I, it was expensive, and they're trying to use it. I get to say the c word because I'm a member of the tribe. I'm a Jew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no one else gets to say crafty. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Just, just kidding. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. If you say it the wrong way, say it with the wrong no. look on your face, I might take exception. But I, I, w- I, I have no idea what they're working on, but I, I would love to see. There's all sorts of tire technologies that I think people have been discussing. Like, how, I, I mean, especially early on when we were trying to figure out tubeless and it's like, how is the bead and the things are popping off the bead and we're putting these stands, rim strips on and add more tape and stuff like that. So, all of this was, you know, we were working remotely on how to get the bead mm. to lock in appropriately. And now these guys can see it, at, you know, in as the uh, as they say in situ. Uh, that was that was pretty clever. Yeah, mm, clever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder why. Anyways, yeah, do it. Say it. No, please. <laughs> Oh, that was a good silence. Was really good. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought I just thought I'd share that is you know kind of a a small thing that you know almost jumped past my radar. Just poking around the interwebs, doing my version of quote unquote reading the paper, <laughs> looking around, seeing what's out there, surfing the webs, and uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting stuff. I I, I think. Uh, I would imagine I would not put it past those guys to try and make a serious move on uh, wheels and tires. There's there's not a lot of other players that are they already that have, have both. They've made a serious move on wheels and tires. They have, but I think I think this is uh, might uh, maybe could be some version mm-hmm. where they come up with a new superior standard where you have to use both of theirs. It's called tubeless or, or tubular. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think that would be a mistake. I think you want to keep it open source and available and, and intercompatible if unless yeah. there's a really clear performance advantage to your way. I, who who knows? I'm just spitballing in the wind. I, I'm thinking of other companies that do both. I mean, WTB makes rims and tires. Are I the, can't think of a Vittoria, I guess, makes wheels I, and I'm tires. Are the pro right WTB, but I almost wish they would stop making wheels and tires. <laughs> I keep buying them sometimes. Are the pro uh, road riders riding tubular or road tubeless? I, you know, I, I'll give this a 50% certainty. I think the top dogs are starting to move over to tubeless. Mm. I think. I, and I'm sure some roadies going to be, watch the tour, you ignorant swine. Yeah, <laughs> last I knew, if you have your own personal mechanic, you're still on tubular but my information's not super fresh right i so one of the pitches on this specialized thing was they and they have some metric behind it is it's as compliant as a tubular so i i would presume their design goal is to give you a enough ration or you know make a product that will get riders off of tubulars they should have said more compliant more compliant more compliant. There you go. Have have both of you guys written a 2020 Lyric and or Pike? 
A 2020 Lyric and or Pike. Yeah. Yes, I have a 2020 Lyric on my brain. What do you think of the statement for 2020 Rock Sox is back on top of Forks? I would... I would say that I really, really, really like my 2020 lyric. Yeah. And I also, I've really liked, like when I jumped on the Tallboy, for example, and wrote a new pike, I really liked that fork. And when I got back on my Mega Tower, I noticed that my 201936, well, let's just say I'm going to rebuild it and some other stuff and see if I can make it. Yeah, but good. it was also, you, were, you weren't writing Zipmoto wheels. Right, so you, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, is it Zip Moto or is the fork? <laughs> I think that's a valid question. I do think it's a valid question, although, you know what? When it's a straight on, just hit. I think that's when you know it's not the Zip Moto ramps. What What are some of the other torque cap options? So Rockshock runs their torque cap thing. You don't have to run them, but it's really nice when you do. Yeah. What what are some options that people might not be aware of that they can get XYZ Hub with a torque cap option? Good question. I don't know. Other than DT Swiss, I know. I'm pretty but sure. Can I you even buy those? Caps. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can buy that end Wait, cap for kit for a DT. I get you those. I thought that was like a OE special or Santa Cruz only thing for a while. Can you get me like four pip sets? <laughs> <laughs> Can I order like you want some too? I can get torque caps. <laughs> there are ways with nail polish. Yeah. I, the other the other sleeper option, if you don't want to run the torque caps, is that Linderette's little piece that glues on, and then when you slap your wheel mm. in, it finds home. That's right. Does uh, that add the stiffness, or does it just add the no, ease of install? Just of the ease wheel? of install. Yeah. No, it's, it's a. It's a little piece of aluminum with adhesive. <laughs> that's it. The torque caps, I think, do actually add torsional stiffness. Right. Yeah, I, that's I why believe. I was asking. So I, I, I kind of feel like part of getting a RockShock fork mm. is having a torque cap hub. So you mean my 2020 Lyric would be even better with torque caps? I'd, possibly. They would probably say yes. I would say it would be torsionally and lateral stiffer, which would probably lead to more telescoping action. Hmm. Yeah. So DT, does I9 have a torque cap? I'm pretty sure they do. And to my personal shame, I can't answer if I'm running torque caps on my Lyric right now. I'd have to check. Probably right, not, unless you ordered them. It's really what... Right, probably not. In my case, when I load my bike in my van, I do front wheel off. So it's something... If you're a front wheel off for transport yeah. setup... You know. It, you know. It's a little bit more of an irritant. It is significantly more of an irritant yes yeah that's where the linderettes thing is a short putt yeah. it at least solved the short irritant. putt <laughs> it's a short putt i like that short putt right after you squib your tires you can take a short putt <laughs> there you go it's it's half measure uh, maybe that's what they call it a half measure full measure is get the torque right caps. end caps or get new wheels and with torque caps so I, I can't remember the original intent, but I, I feel like the, the, there was some... When that originally came out, there's some SRAM front hub that kind of takes advantage of the axle size as like a bodacious axle that kind of... Ah. You know, it's... I remember that. Yeah, it's like bodacious. that stiffness. It, you really... They would love you to run their monster front hub with the torque caps and the whole the whole business. 
I think that's probably your maximum stiffness gain. Is the Zip Moto have the maximum? Does yeah. the Zip Moto wheels from Is there a torque cap option? I bet our demo the... wheels don't have torque caps because we want to demo them on a lot of bikes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But if you order them, I'm curious if there's a torque cap option. Probably. Probably. <laughs> there you go. Well, if you're you found out here first, probably. If, <laughs> if you're if you're really on to the uh, the 2020 forks, I I guess specifically, it sounds like you guys have both run the 2020 forks and are quite impressed. I super am. Like I feel like, so I feel like the, there's a difference in how the negative air spring works. I think that's the difference. But I also think, you know, when the engineers and the design team gets proud of the fork and then they kind of put a little extra effort into overseeing the production, right? That's my theory. Oh, okay. It's just a theory. Yeah. But they just feel well executed as well as well designed. You know, there's a lot of little details I'm starting to see more and more from RockShock. I was watching a, um, I was watching an install video. Actually, just today I was looking something up because I was going to work on one of my forks. And, you know, a lot of times I'll skim through the, the install video. But in this case, I noticed for your RockShock fork, if you go to service the lowers and you remove the rebound cap if you look on the bolt laser etched on that little bolt will be the appropriate volume of leg oil that you need for that fork and nice. i like that's just one of those little things they seem to be getting it's nice yeah yeah that and like the the sag marks um patented so no one else can use them yeah they they kind of they do have that seem to have that lockdown although i think dvo no dvo has just a logo which might be in the right spot mm. maybe that was the get around um oh and their new top caps instead of having to have a like a low profile socket the top caps for the RockShock forks yeah. take a cassette tool yep really nice i thought that was a super nice touch yes instead of having to have a non chamfered socket right um it just there's little touches i think their their instruction manuals their service manuals are really good i another thing i realized today looking up their stuff is um, if you're looking, if you have your fork and you're like, oh, I want to find the service manual for my fork and I don't know what year it is and I don't know if it's a B1 or an A1 or this or that, you can go to the SRAM website, their service website, and just type in your serial number and it's like, boom, here's all the stuff for your fork. Service kits, instruction manuals, you know, all the details of your fork based on your serial number. So you don't have to piece that together. Again, I thought that was a nice like realistic support yeah it's good support um it's you can it says like service kits and it you know lists all your service kit part numbers and compatible air shafts and all that kind of stuff so i I thought that was a nice touch from them as well their instruction videos are solid they're easy to follow Mm -hmm. they have instruction videos for almost everything you could do on their on their forks um and uh, another small touch i for whatever it's worth when you say you do an air spring service, right, on their on their website, you're watching the instruction video and you know, it, it's always disappointing when they spec out some oil you've never heard of or some grease you've never heard of or some special this or special that. They do have their leg oil, which you can get anywhere, and it's their formulation of leg oil. Okay, I'm fine with that. But as they're like just they use slick honey. Like use slick honey. Hmm. And it's not theirs, but you can find it anywhere. You can, you know, if you're living somewhere not near a bike shop, you're not like, oh, I need to 
fine rock shock oil 782 that you don't really it's, right. it's just it's they seem to be a little bit more in touch with the realities of owning the product and and all for all of those little things that i listed it's it you know, seems in your like last they have show, good. you mentioned that they're they don't own any factories i found out on jra that they do own some of their factories a oh. lot of their factories maybe oh that's cool i was speculating you know right we speculated right shimano clearly owns their factories that's kind of their thing uh, you know i was just curious was jra well and definitely shimano has a much deeper and richer tradition in manufacturing and and longer yeah longer. exactly in in true manufacturing versus design and design and contract manufacturing but yeah, I, I think RockShock, and I think we saw this with the introduction of their one buy. They, I think their decision makers, or called their product line managers, or you know their marketing department, whatever, they seem to be more in touch with what actually happens in the field. Whereas Shimano, sometimes their general direction seems engineering, from an engineering standpoint, very good, but maybe misdirected. Whereas SRAM, I think, is since their one buy is as far as product direction and making the right product for the market, it's been really good. Really, really good. I mean, driving the one buy bigger, they immediately keyed in on that shortcoming of the original one by 11. Mm. Like, we need one more gear and we'll be there. Um, all those kind of things. Like, you know, the cage lock, I think, is an intuitive fix to someone who's actually in the field, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't think their chains last a long time by accident. Got lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, impressive. I mean, lever, I think a lot of people are critical of their brakes, but one thing they clearly differentiated themselves from Shimano is they made a lever that can be switched to either side of the bike. That does make life easier. It's a symmetric lever that can be flipped on either side without switching lines say if you I, wanted to change directions i think you're going to see a flip of the narrative narrative on that i think sram has i think the tipping point has come to where you can safely say that sram is a safe bet for brakes even maybe over shimano oh well i i would i think they're totally fine at this point i i've got no complaints i i have preferences but i don't have like durability concerns i do think it comes down to do you like the um leverage rate curve of the servo wave or do you like the leverage rate curve of that shark fin thing on the sram brake lever right and the sram brake lever has a little less grabby feel a little kind of wider range of power feel and the shimano takes less force to create the power at your finger yeah it's it's a preference thing but i think sram is no longer a, a risky operational but you know it's it's not going to lock itself shut. and we are <laughs> no, seeing hopefully not a, a little bit more frequency of issues with Shimano that we've talked about on the show in the past with yeah, C- CP pistons and yeah yeah for sure all right podcast call it yeah i'm i'm good with that glad to be hanging out here with Nathan and Ock this is Tony saying love the bike you ride